Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special crossover episode between Girls Interrupting and Feathers and Foes. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Four, or two, if you will. Uh, we have me, Shelby. We have Jackie. Uh, Beatrice here. Are we talking to the third person? Monica's here. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm Ashford. Hello. And Mark Hi. is also here. Hi, Mark. Who's also here? Yay, guess. All right. And this month or this week or whatever this very special episode <laughs> is, uh, we read Batman and Slash Huntress, Cry for Blood by Greg Rucka. And I forgot to write down the artist. I have it. Rick Burchette. Rick well, she Burchette. has it. Um, so I think we should introduce ourselves a little bit yeah. since, we, since they're new and they don't know us as well. Um we actually met on Twitter, so they oh, liked one. Twitter. I know, I love it so best. much. Um, so they liked one of our tweets, and I, you know, did some research, and I was like, "Hey, they have a Birds of Prey podcast! Like, how amazing is that?" Mm-hmm. Listeners, I'm sure you know this by now. Three of the four of us love the shit out of Birds of Prey, <laughs> like hard. Birds of Prey is like what got me into Cape Comics, mm-hmm. yeah. and I would say that my friendship with Jackie. Nope. blossomed because of our, our mutual love for Birds of Prey. It did. It did. I'm just here because I know everyone. <laughs> <laughs> she brings snacks. <laughs> so I'll start. Oh, that's nice. um, so I'm Jackie. Um, I love Birds of Prey um, because I was actually complaining to Shelby um, about the lack of uh, female characters in wheelchairs in popular culture. And um, and she was like, wait, wait, wait. Have you ever heard of Oracle? And I was like, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and then, uh, so she actually has all the Birds of Prey issues, and so she brought them to me, and I read them voraciously over a very short period of time, fell in love with characters, and then thus fell in love with comics, and just kind of kept going. When I was first getting into comics, because I had made a lot of friends who were also really getting into comics around the same time, and I was asking for recommendations and just saying, send me things that have awesome ladies in them. And so somebody sent me Alias, and I'm pretty sure it was Shelby who sent me Birds of Prey and said, <laughs> read this thing. And I loved I loved everybody. I love Zinda. I love Huntress. I Gosh, I love, just love everybody. But I think Huntress might be my, my favorite. And I actually cosplayed as her one year with yeah. the two other people at this table. Yeah, we did Oracle. And Shelby did Black Canary. We'll have to post the picture for you guys later. I want that on our website, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, hi, Ashford and Mark. This is Monica. Um, I have a variety of feelings about Birds of Prey. <laughs> a lot of them not great, but I love these three people, and so I read it. And I like we Cape only Crusaders, to read it like once. Who are women, and I like women who can beat up men in fights, so I'm here mm-hmm. for this. I feel like I like Huntress, and I had a good time. Sorry cool. for you guys, because you run a Birds of Prey. <laughs> oh, no, that makes this a little bit more authentic. <laughs> Exactly. If we all agree, it wouldn't be interesting. It wouldn't be interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm here to be the odd man out and fight all of you. <laughs> I don't like our odds, but... <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because I'm usually an odd man out, but not just sticking out, just being an odd man. I took it from you. Come at me. My name is Ashford, and I we do a, a podcast network called Right On Network where we have podcast like this one feathers and foes we also do one called straight out of gallifrey it's about uh doctor who episodes that feature other time lords and we have another podcast called the bad girl the cassandra kane podcast about oh, the yes. third yes i love her i love her but I, I, you know what i think actually before uh i got into comics because i didn't start reading comics until i was in high school and that was the 90s so i was reading like independent type 
indie type stuff. But I think what led me to this moment of liking Birds of Prey kind of in like 2004 or whatever, it goes back to when I was an itty bitty kid in the early 80s watching the Canadian show. You can't do that on television. And it was a sketch comedy show and they they had a leader. Her name was Christine, but they called her Moose. And she was kind of in charge, so they had an impression on me. And then, like, watching He-Man, you had um, uh, Tila, uh, uh, Tina or Tila, and you had the uh, the Sorcerer. And they were kind of, so I think that impression of me of, like, you know, girls kicking butt and all that stuff, to me, that was just kind of a norm. And so, like, you know, when I was a kid, my mom cooked, my dad cooked. My mom worked, my dad worked. So I kind of had to learn, quote, unquote, gender roles in reverse. Yeah. So like Patrick, seeing you're going to be great on this. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's kind of hazy how I got into birds of prey. I can't remember if I backdoored into it through no man's land or mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, but I know I started reading no man's land. And then I think I saw the, of like minds and I just I fell in love. Yeah, I think Greg Rekka is responsible for more or less all of our yep. <laughs> introduction into the bad verse and love. Podcast of it. favorite. Greg <laughs> oh, he's so great. Love him. All right, what about you, Mark? Well, I am kind of the black canary to Ashford's Oracle for Feathers yeah. and Foes. Uh, <laughs> we, we we have known each other about one point seven decades. And uh, wow. I think I think he thought I would be easily coerced into doing a comics-based podcast with him, and he was correct. So, uh, <laughs> That's and literally then, how we got these three people into a room, I think. <laughs> yeah, we were like, someone said, hey, do you guys want to talk about comics? And I was like, let me get you some people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do, always. <laughs> and uh, I had been uh, pretty much 100% Marvel, maybe a little bit of image sprinkled down. Mark, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My right? one Marvel friend in this. Mark, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is very evident if you go back and listen. We did in March. We did a tournament of uh, 64 comic book heroes, and I want to say that uh, I used kind of all of my uh, 16 nominations for for Marvel characters, maybe with the exception <laughs> of with, with the exception of Batgirl. So, uh, but in the time of doing this, we've been able to interview John Ostrander, who was ultimately nice. responsible for you know moving uh, Barbara Gordon into the role of Oracle via Suicide Squad back in the 80s. And uh, Gail Simone, we interviewed her back in April. That was awesome. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm all in on the Batman, the world of Batman, but specifically Birds of Prey. And I uh, just found this to be an incredible read and uh, can't wait to go back and read Greg Rucker's run on other stuff because I just understand that everything he touches is pretty well done. So Yes. Absolutely. Everything. Oh, yeah. If if you're not reading his current run on Wonder Woman right now, it's so good. I'm hearing nothing but But good things. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even his indie stuff. And his uh, novels. And look. Just (laughs) Just Just a whole door. Is he on Black Magic? Yeah, yes. he's writing Black okay. Magic. I have to find issue one. I really love Nicola Scott. She worked on Earth 2, and once she left the book, I left the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's about right. Oh, yeah, she was on Secret Six for a while, too. Right. That was real good. She did some Birds of Prey, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Towards yeah. the end, I think. Yeah. Towards the end. Or towards she the end of the Simone's run. Yet, but, yeah. All right, Shelby, you want to wrap this up, and then we'll get started talking about the book? All right. Well, um, I'm Shelby, and I, I will go ahead and say that I am also the Black Canary uh, of the group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
just because I like ass kicking women and um, in fishnets. And fishnets, damn it. Who doesn't? <laughs> Get there faster. Yeah, but you know, I think it was growing up. I I think I was probably the youngest of us to start reading comics, also in high school. But I was reading just straight up like X Men and all that sort of stuff. And so I I would go to like Rogue, and I, well, Rogue was my favorite character, and I was like, ah, oh, this is so awesome, blah blah blah. And then when, once I got into DC, and I realized that there was like a team full of rogues, and I was I didn't know that it was impossible to have a team full of women being awesome to each other, and especially later in the run when you get like four different distinct personalities of women mm-hmm. um, interacting with each other differently and having complex relationships, and we see that a little bit in in, in the book we're about to talk about, but I absolutely love it, and and yeah, yeah. so. Birds of prey, guys. All right. So, what do we think? What do we think? Cry for blood. Oh well, um, we could do a short recap of what the book's about. Sure. <laughs> I mean, everyone should just read it. Yeah. Right? You wanna you wanna recap us there, Ashford and Mark? Mark, why don't you go ahead? Oh yeah, no problem. Well, it's basically about the you know you know Huntress. It starts out with her backstory. Uh, she's doing the inner dialogue basically teaching about you know where she comes from and where the mafia originates which is from sicily and tells you you know how sicily in sicily you're you're kind of born and raised to not trust the state and you should handle everything internally so it was very uh kind of a political undertones in that sense but essentially anyone who goes outside of the families for help like to the state specifically to police would be called uh, and I'm, I'm not sure, I'm never sure how to pronounce these words, but infame, I guess, or infame. I don't know either. Basically a renegade, a rat. So, uh, that's a big part of this. Uh, and, and then essentially the Huntress was, this is the Helena Bertinelli version. So her family was all taken out by the mafia and she was sent back to Sicily. And then it just kind of shows from there how she becomes the huntress and it just interweaves the story very nicely between the, her past and, and the present and, and really just kind of shows her uh, in my mind as a black sheep in both the bat family and the five families. So I was completely intrigued and hooked the whole time. And then you have the, uh, probably at this time, the reintroduction of the question. Who kind of acts as almost her uh, spiritual guide through throughout this book, and essentially she has to make a choice of is she gonna handle this the mafia way, her way, or Batman's way? And I think by the end it like it all just gets very clouded. But yeah. uh, like, I don't know. I think the end is a big fuck you to Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not doing this Batman's way. <laughs> well, Batman, Jesus Christ, could he be more whiny all the time? Uh, please. <laughs> I love how terrible Batman is in other people's books. Yeah, the thing He's is, the worst. If you read a official Batman title, then it's his book, it's his monologue, and you see everything from his perspective, and his his decisions seem logical. But in anybody else's book, he's just a rampaging jackass. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like when you read this, this is like, this is forcing you to hate the Bat Family. Because everyone that pops up. Except for Tim. Okay, now, Tim Drake is my favorite Robin. But didn't he end up at the last second? Like, he went and, well, he was the one to go like, wait a minute, she's innocent. Yep. And yeah. um, if you some of you, if if anyone follows Mark and myself on Birds, uh, Feathers and Foes, uh, we've been kind of ragging on Nightwing for a long time. <laughs> it's something Uh-oh. about him. He's like a he's like oh, I, he's just blank out about everything. He's lovable. He needs- but at the same time, he uh, 
he kicked the heck out of Huntress. Yeah. Right in her face. Well, mm-hmm. and and he could be a better person. <laughs> yeah. Like, the thing is, is, like, sure, they had a thing. They don't have a thing anymore. But, like, he could give her more of a heads up. He could be a friend in that moment when, you know, the whole Bat family knows what happened and the decision she has to make, right? Yeah. And he just kind of lets her be, like, emo and he's her own. Yeah. yeah. And, our, and if we're supposed to be looking out for each other, he could have given her the heads up. Hey, your pops ain't your pops. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't see why he couldn't have given her a heads up, even if Batman's like, hey, she needs to figure this out. Figuring it out. Fine. But you can give someone a heads up and be like, hey, this is going to be traumatic. Or like yeah. sit with them while they find it out. Yeah. And, and don't just alone. like leave them on a fucking, you know, rooftop. Whatever Batman. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be. <laughs> just the mad manipulation of Batman. Back then when I was reading Batman books, I just thought that was normal. And now I realize, like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I think this book is about Huntress going like whatever constructs that the mafia society itself and the Bat family created. I wasn't at that table at its creation, so I don't recognize your law. That's the moment where I fell for Huntress because that's basically something I say all the time. <laughs> if I didn't have a voice when you made this rule, I'm not going to follow the rule if I disagree with it. And that's, I love her for that, that she's yeah. going to do her own thing her own way and have her own moral code, which is basically what Batman does anyway. Yeah, but it's not his moral code. I don't care. His moral code is stupid. Uh, well, yeah. it's just such a, an interesting moment, capturing a moment of time for um, Huntress right now because she's coming off of, you know, the, ma- the mafia family mentality. And then she's just coming off of No Man's Land, which I had to, like, reconstruct in my head a little bit because it had yeah. been since so long since I'd read it. But I remembered mm-hmm. she basically got ostracized from that the Bat group, and this is right after that. And so the idea that they're policing so much of her every move and yet they're rejecting her at the same yeah. time. After she almost died. Yeah. And that's what drives me crazy is Batman just sits there and like dangles the information in front of her like, oh, I know it. I know what's happening. But you have to figure it out and make your own choices. But don't make the wrong one because if you make the wrong one. You lose everything. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and also, you know, I love I love Oracle, but let's not forget that the biggest part of the of the reason why she's so against Huntress is because she slept with Dick. A hundred percent. And they they weren't cheating. No, no. I love Oracle, but I and I but I do think it's it's an emotional response, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think she can do better, like a hundred percent. But I, but I also think that sometimes emotions aren't logical, right? And to give um, Oracle credit, even after the emotional response, she does spend three months doing research on Helena's behalf. So yeah, she only yeah. did it because Tim made her. Yeah, right. My but she's still like it. she's supposed to be this wicked smart girl who's watching out for everybody and you know is the information person. But she's not willing to ask this question because one time this girl banged this dude she was vaguely banging. No, she listened when Tom. I mean, when Tim told her. Like I think. I guess I want her to get there herself. No, I feel it. Like yeah. I get it. Like I think. She can be a better person, like a hundred percent. But I well, don't think her bat family needs to like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, go to like how to be a good family member school. But I feel they all like need therapy, like oh, yeah, exactly. But I feel like that emotional response is not unexpected. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not out of character for Babs. No, hundred percent it isn't. And I think that was what Monica struggled with reading Birds of Prey yes. later. Because Babs sometimes can be very judgmental. She is. Oh, super judgmental. The worst, and it's hard to like her when she's being that way. 
Understandably. <laughs> or sending people in dangerous situations with no backup. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. without all the information mm-hmm. that they would need to make a good decision in said dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. See, that's, Barbara, that's the thing that bugs me the most is when she's willing to put people's lives at risk without giving them the choice. Because yeah. if mm-hmm. they had the information, they could make the choice and then that's their choice and that's right. I'm fine. But when she does the thing where she just gives them a part of the story because yeah. she wants them to do, it's very Batman. Mm-hmm. It is. Like, very don't much. be. She doesn't like being manipulated by Batman. Don't manipulate others. Exactly. Yeah, people are not chess pieces. Yeah. Anyway, we've, we've come off the, the Hunter's track here a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. really, when but when you think about it, is there anything wrong with hiring, hiring your ex-fiance to spy on your best friend and break them up in their new relationship? <laughs> Ashford and I have been bringing this up a lot because the run that we're on of Chuck, uh, Chuck Dixon's run in Birds of Prey, she is not only being manipulative, but just very dismissive of everyone's feelings, including uh, Power Girl. And Power Girl is oh, yeah, coming in. So mean to Power Girl. She's and when really it comes back to Power Girl. Yeah. And, and in the end, it's because it's, it's Barbara's fault. And that's <laughs> yeah. literally Barbara's mistake. Yeah. 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 But because Power Girl couldn't magically fix her mistake in that moment, it's Power Girl's fault, yeah. right? Yep. Hey, what do you guys think about this? Uh, one of the things I liked about this book, and especially the Huntress, they deal with this character being a, uh, like a quote unquote, a marginal man. Like, you know, she has to deal with, like, you know, she's Italian, she speaks Italian, and dealing with that world, and then being a school teacher. And then moving over here and operation within the confines of, I guess, the Bat family and just vigilantism in general. This is something I keep going on with Mark. This is the perfect character to set up to be uh, like a, a top 20 character in D.C. I don't, I don't understand why they don't use more resources in building this character. Yeah, no, she's 100 percent underutilized. I do think it's interesting that she has such a. And I think part of the reason Batman trusts her so little, too, is because she comes from a mafia family, right? Yeah. So she does have that stain on mm-hmm. her, despite the fact that she was a child, right? Mm-hmm. I think another reason why he doesn't like her is because at the end of the day, if he tells Nightwing to jump, Nightwing's going to jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even with, like, there's a lot of scenes where we see Barbara Gordon or Oracle chew out Batman, and Batman will take it because Oracle is still going to operate within the rules of Batman. But because right. Huntress goes so rogue, that's why he's like, you know, get out of here. I'm sick of this. <laughs> this is my, my town. town. <laughs> and, and I've, no, I've, I've noticed that they've toned that down in the Batman books, like over the past decade. Mm-hmm. Well, because it, it got it got pretty old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it got old. If we're being honest, the most interesting thing about Batman books is about family mm-hmm. and his rogues gallery. It's not actually Batman. I love all, yeah, I love, like, Tim Drake. Like, I love all the side characters. Batman himself, now I'm starting to kind of go weary of. Well, it's interesting because there's, like, a Batman comic, but then you spread the Batman family out. And if any DC comic where Batman makes an appearance in every single one of those, he's a complete dick. But in only his, he's, like, cool and all right. It's like they're they're unintentionally changing the way we feel about Batman. He's such an asshole all the time, except in this one instance. Yeah, even in his own book, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that old whatever saying or adage or just rule of comic books of like guys like Superman and Batman, and they're not allowed to change because they're the same, essentially the same character they were in 1940 as they are now. But as someone like Huntress, where you know you can do a lot lot more with because they're not as tied to 
you know, movie sales and stuff like that. Right. You're not going to have yes. a movie. And so you can do should, more though. things with it. I mean, they I'm, should, I'm, I'm, should. I'm just saying. Well, that's what I keep saying. That's why I find Black Canary, Huntress, Tim, those characters more interesting because you can operate and do a lot with them without a bunch of fans going, wait a minute. That's not that mm-hmm. character, but like Superman, mm-hmm. if you do one little thing, that's it. So I mean, I'm still angry about the Huntress character on Arrow. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take that to my grave. We are talking about the comic. But but, but let's do a, a high five on that because I was the same way. They, they, oh my gosh. I don't even think they get to. Well, even the Black Canary kind of on that show. I mean, are they on their third Black Canary right now? Yeah, I think it may be the fourth. I had to drop off of that show because I had to swallow my tongue so much about it and then I went you know what I don't want to be one of those people that complain yet keep watching so I, I walked away I couldn't exactly. do it follow anymore. your joy I respect yes. that <laughs> I would really like to do that can you have a talk with our podcast manager on that because like we still have to watch Arrow over Ben Pal which is one of our other podcasts and I, I want out you know, you know what I, I, I would tell myself is remember it's called Arrow not Green Arrow but then it just yeah. kept taking turns And well here's one thing too and I know we're off topic <laughs> the whole the whole Felicity Arrow thing, like when they first revealed, like, hey, I was always into you. I was like, wait a minute, I didn't see that. What what in the world? And then I liked when it was uh, Felicity and the Adam. So when that didn't happen, I was heartbroken. Oh, with with Ray, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ray the kitty. Yeah. As well as I know, I'm like completely the opposite. I super saw Felicity and Arrow or Felicity and Oliver coming a mile and a half away. And I hated Ray when he first started with Felicity. Ah. He was very like heavy handed and nice guy. And I'm going to buy this company. So, you know, work with me. So we have to spend time together. Oh, and like, right. Yeah. The Ray that he is on, on legends is not the Ray that he started out as. And if he was still that Ray on legends, I probably would not enjoy legends. That's right. When they introduced him, he straight up Christian grade her. Yeah. And bought her company. So she'd have to work for him. Meanwhile, Ooh. Oliver is just quietly in love with her in the background. And that's exactly the trope I love best. So I'm like, <laughs> super there for that. I'm here to learn. <laughs> Anyway, back to Huntress and Batman, and uh, she's being framed. She is. For a crime she did not commit. This is one of my uh, least favorite outfits of hers. With the big <laughs> arrow the pointing big arrow right at her sure. junk? Yeah. yeah. Hey, everyone, <laughs> these are my breasts, and here's my happy place. <laughs> now, see, I like... I need men to be banned from comics <laughs> for the next 200 years. <laughs> you had your shots. <laughs> See, I prefer this to, to the, the belly, belly window. window. <laughs> you know, the belly window up is the worst, I will say. But I don't like the arrow, I guess. Uh, see, I'll take it. I'll I like the it. one in between. I have a question about her her costume. As someone who is not a DC person, I'm not a huntress or a birds of prey person. Oh. I almost said of a feather. <laughs> um, the cross stuff, is she actually hardcore Catholic? Yes. Or is it just part of the thing? Well, yes. You know, it, it depends on different iterations, and you'll see, especially across G- Gail Simone's l- run later, she'll question different parts of her faith, especially as in as she goes up and down as Huntress and mm-hmm. and for different things. But like I, I liked, especially in this book, I think you see her. You know, when she's ta- like, you have the the priest's uniform, yes. yeah, it's, and um, the cross, and the way she has the white stripe mm-hmm. across and and down on her cape yep. is is definitely reflective of a bishop's cloak. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, she, she also, made it out of the. Well, and she also talks about how she. She thought, like, going to university and learning about all the mafia was like going to a nunnery, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she was 
learning and and committing herself to this path mm-hmm. of vengeance. So I thought it was blood well, or whatever. I think but it's made more just a lot of crosses everywhere. And I was yeah, like, what's going on? I think she it, is a lapsed Catholic at this at, at various points, but she is a devout Catholic at other points. Mm-hmm. Like it's important to her whether or not she believes that God is good or mm-hmm. God cares, I think wavers for her, but I, I think she always believes. I think it adds a layer in her level in her entire, her huge thing of contradictions about this character. Yes. You know, you got your mafia, you got Batman, you got God, you got this and you got that. And I think it's just another layer of just like fuckery to her poor brain. Yeah. And it <laughs> proves that you can be a Catholic and not be a dick about it. Like Matthew Murdoch, Murdoch I'm looking at you, you whiny piss ant. Oh, well, <laughs> leave, leave, leave Marvel out of this. Um, <laughs> But that guy is the worst. Uh, he can get a little bit preachy, but it a also bit, ma- a little bit, Mark, a little bit, a little bit. Her being a Catholic also makes it super easy for her to blend in and kill people in the confessional booth. Don't forget that. That's true. Yes. Oh, what a good move. Yeah. Well, it's just so interesting. I remember the first time we saw her apartment with Batman like broken like a fucking creeper. Um, and they like shows her living room wall, and there's that humongous cross just like there, and I went. What? But Welcome then, like, to the home of a Catholic. Yeah, like four <laughs> issues later or whatever, we're hearing her backstory. She's talking to Vic. And, like, that cross is from her family home in Sicily. And I went, oh, okay, I guess that there's a connection there. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a four-foot cross <laughs> hanging on a in wall. In a tiny apartment in New York. Oh, yeah. it wasn't that tiny. Did you see that kitchen? Yeah. Holy shit. That was a big oh, That kitchen was so nice. the size of our apartment. <laughs> and I love that she makes fancy Italian dishes. Just for herself. I know, right? Hey, do your best thinking when you have a full belly. <laughs> Man, to be, like, have a girlfriend who would just make you homemade gnocchi all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what Dick was thinking, but they probably should have stayed together. <laughs> yeah, you think you think Babs is going to make you homemade gnocchi? I do not. No, she is so. not. She will order you homemade gnocchi. <laughs> she will. She'll find a good place to order it from. I want Nightwing to stay away from the Huntress. <laughs> that guy's slimy. He's slimy. Someone has to experience that ass, Ashford. He's so smooth. He's he's too slick. That's why we call him America's favorite sociopath. I mean, he's basically <laughs> like like he, he's gonna put on this face, and then all of a sudden you're gonna be murdered in his living room while he's playing Huey Lewis in the news. Just all up. <laughs> oh my gosh! Did you just compare him to a fucking American Psycho? Yeah. <laughs> Is that an American Psycho? <laughs> Patrick Bateman. Wow. Drop a chainsaw down a stairwell. I mean, no joke, I got really weirded out how quickly he turned on her when she accidentally shot Batman. Number one, Batman is fast enough to move out of the way of that. Number two, he he wears fucking Kevlar. Number three, she would never actually shoot Batman. And number four, he's going to be fine. He's Batman. (laughs) And then he kicks her in the face. You know, but what was interesting about that, on the Huntress side, that's why I respect her because, you know, once again, she's telling Dick, like, look, I get it. You're his puppy. He trained you as a kid, but that's not me. However, I right. will give Dick Grayson some credit where sometimes you have to, you know, just like she's a part of the Italian family, you know, we saw a lot of times where the, the older gentleman would slap one of the younger guys and the young guy just knew you must take this, like just take the slapping. And I think with Dick Grayson, it's just one of the things like, hey, Huntress, I'm down with you. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, Mark and I, we're from Texas. And when we're at, you know, when you grow up in school, you have to do the pledge to the Texas flag. And I'm not going to do that on here. But if you read the words to it, it's basically saying, hey, at the end of the day, you know, you're a Texan first, right? And I think that's what Nightwing is. He's a Bat Family first thing. So even if he was... I legit had no idea. Y'all are welcome to move to California. <laughs> they don't make you do that here. We will welcome you. <laughs> 
You can live you know, there. I, I actually lived. I actually lived in California, but what bugged me about it the most was that I couldn't find tortilla chips, uh, tortilla chips in this in the shape of the state. But I can find them <laughs> here in Texas. Mark, if that was your biggest problem, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that and the weather wasn't that great. Buddy, yeah. wait, which part of California? You inhale the sun. No, no, no. Of- that that, that was talking- me being sarcastic. Oh, I was like, I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That Batman got hit. Good. Nope. That woke him okay. up. <laughs> yeah. And I he was like, well, I know how I'll get back at her. I'll just manipulate the situation, solve the crime, but just leave her out of it. So Batman. Oh, jerk. Yeah. So what about this question guy? I think I think that is the question itself. I was surprised that he was a boy. I thought the question was a lady. Oh, Renee yeah. Madoya. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. First version of uh, of the question. Okay, so full dis- I was confused because yeah. it was a boy. My full disclosure, uh, or not full disclosure, whatever, it's just a fact. Um, <laughs> so I think before I, because I read um, 52 was like one of the first things I ever read in the DP- DC universe. And so the first story I ever read was Vic Sage dying and passing his mantle on to Renee Montoya. So I have a huge affection for Vic Sage and Renee Montoya. And so, and I read Cry for Blood years and years and years ago, and I probably for Vic Sage more than for than uh, the Huntress at that point. Um, so when I went back and read this today, I was like, oh my God, Vic Sage is in this, I forgot. And I remember just how much I love him. He's such a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was very, very enjoyable. Yeah, actually. but I, I love him. I, and- yeah, reading this again, I remember how much I loved him and Helena mm-hmm. and how much I shipped them. I don't know if you guys have watched Justice League Unlimited. Yes, but- ma'am. They're so cute the, on that show. Yes. The, the episode was called Double Date. Yeah. That was awesome. And written by Gail Sedler. Yeah. Yes. What? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh I love God. when she is talking to him on comms while they're on a mission and asks him what he's wearing. And he's like, a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Like, what are you wearing under that? Orange socks. <laughs> Wonderful. I love it. Yeah. It's inappropriate time for <laughs> And I didn't realize that that relationship yeah. from this particular story. So I was like, like, yes, yes. And what was great was it was how subtle it was. Like, I mean, yeah. I think it was pretty obvious to me as a grown up person that, was they, it that, they, that they slept together. But no, I, I want to say the first time I read this, I don't think I realized that they slept together. Well, maybe it's because I'm old and have seen a television <laughs> show or movie. But no, I, the, he wasn't wearing a shirt the next morning. I don't know. Maybe he just got out of the oh, shower. Oh, little baby Shelby. I have no idea about <laughs> no, anything. They, they had that cut where they had the room was full of candles yeah. and then they were in profile in the dark and then it was the next morning. And like, he's not on. wearing a shirt and she's wearing his, his shirt. shirt. I'm sorry, you guys just didn't have that sort of interaction with boys when you were younger? Because that's all that I ever did. Yeah, Show me Nora. You tiny around. lesbian. <laughs> I need to go back and read that and pick up on this. <laughs> they totally banged you guys. They, they, they did not sleep. They just, they just banged. I was naive. It seemed like it came off as if he left immediately and then, you know, she was... I can't tell. We don't know you well enough, but I can't tell if you're joking. No, no, honestly, no. It seemed like it was like, hey, this is my mentor. He'll help you out. And then he left. And one of my favorite parts of the book is. We're not saying that she slept with that sensei guy. Right. Richard, Richard, Richard Dragon. No, I knew that. I knew that. How she banged the question later. Like I missed it. it. I totally well, missed that. Yeah, because he lived in her apartment for three months while she was with his sensei. So. Yeah, but, but the one thing when she said, when he said, uh, oh, don't worry about it, I, I paid all your bills. I was like, well, how do you do that? But I was thinking, because he wait snuck a- in and ate, ate all her Chinese food, and then <laughs> three, three months later they did it again after you know 
the nighttime stuff. No joke. I kind of thought that the question and the sensei guy were boning. I mean, no, see, know, I can see that. Forward. I can see that, but I totally missed the Huntress thing. Why? And I was like, guys, just make out. It's fun. It's fun. Or, like ma- or make out with Nightwing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw Nightwing a bone. <laughs> I, would, I would throw Nightwing a Nightwing. <laughs> He's very cute. Only for a night. <laughs> and then get out. Then get out. But but when the plastic sheets are over his den, it's kind of a turnoff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Justice League Dark. This is so weird for me. I've never heard anybody be this negative about um, Nightwing slash Dick Grayson. I think because I just hang out with these fools and they all really like him. This is like a different side. No, you know what? No, uh, I think it's I think it's all love. It's one of those things where it's like if I'm not teasing him, I don't love him. And. You know, I read all the Nightwing, but now I'm starting to see, like, kind of how he's just kind of slimy. Well, it's one of those things where I think when you, I don't know, when I read it, when I read a lot of this stuff the first time, I read it very quickly. I didn't think too hard about most of it, honestly. I was mm-hmm. just reading it, enjoying the story, just doing, you know, thinking like the author wanted me to think, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but then doing this podcast and really kind of deep diving into a lot of things, I look back at a lot of these things that we have read before, and I, I see it differently than I did before. Mm-hmm. So yes. I think... I think that helps. Well, this is so weird for me because I didn't really have an opinion on Dick Grayson. You know, I I saw the Batman movie where he was played by Chris O'Donnell. (laughs) That's what I have in my brain. Um, But we're watching Young Justice for our Bampow TV podcast. And he is like my favorite on that show because he's still a kid. He's like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And he is so goddamn funny that like it's hard for me to see this adult Dick Grayson being a weirdo dick. (laughs) I'm like, why, where's the conversations about distraught and trot? Like, let's talk about vo- vocabulary again. Well, and that's the thing about comics, though, that's so difficult. Is depending upon the author, mm-hmm. the the character can change pretty much. I yeah. mean, it can change. Oh, like drastically. Book to book, book, to book yeah. can be very different. My interpretation, it seems like in the modern age, anytime they show a Robin and it's Dick Grayson, it really comes off as if I think that's supposed to be Tim Drake. So, like, when I'm looking at Young Justice and he's very techy, I'm going, like, I know they're saying that's Dick Grayson, but that's Tim Drake. Actually, yeah. that's Kenneth's problem. He's on our band bow with us, and that's Kenneth's problem. He's like, this is not Dick for me. This reads Tim Drake. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care. He's funny. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we watched the first couple of episodes, and I think they don't identify him as being called Dick Grayson. He's only Robin because he can't tell the other kids his identity. Right. And so Kenneth is referring to him as Tim, and I, I've seen the whole show, so I'm telling him, no, that's that's Dick Grayson, and he was very confused. <laughs> Mark? <laughs> yes, I'm still here. Remember um, when we talked earlier about just interrupting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, just as I compare Nightwing to being Patrick Bateman, I also, my, my other observation was that to me in this, Tim Drake comes off very much like Steve Urkel, where he could just he's just like the neighbor that can pop in and ask Oracle if she's got any cheese and then solve all the problems or whatever. But, <laughs> But, he's a little more helpful than, than Urkel. He didn't, like, knock anything over and yeah. then say a horrible catchphrase. Well, yeah, but he also can't make a space robot, so, I mean, I guess it's... Oh, you can't make a your space robot. Oh. <laughs> How about that? Keep that for after hours. Sorry. That's uh, NLTLG. <laughs> I want more Tim Drake and Oracle time. Well, yeah. now, now my thing with the question is because, to me, there's a lot of characters that get away with invasion of privacy. Like, in the current backer on the Birds of Prey, Ashford and I are kind of weirded out by the new Oracle Gus because he's getting all this intel about the women without having had their consent. So, I mean, 
he's like taking pictures with drones outside their apartments. He's taking pictures of them candidly, like going through record albums and stuff like that. So what did you think about the question sort of inserting himself into Huntress's life by doing things like taking care of her, her apartment, going through her mail and all that type of stuff? I think he went through her mail. I think he just well, he took had care to of pay her, her bills though, because he said he paid right. her bills. I mean, this is I mean, all analog. Nothing's you're digital. Not wrong. And I guess I don't care because he paid the bill. <laughs> well, I I <laughs> was like, under the yeah, yeah. like, Also, I don't think that what secrets are there in her mail? Yeah, but still, it is an invasion of privacy. But I will say it's it's a little bit different in the fact that he. He's taking care of her, right? Because she was... And it's in a very practical sort of way, I think, to where he's taken her out of the picture. And mm-hmm. it's his fault that he that she's up there. And it's kind of... I think he feels like it's his responsibility. And also, he's such a zen guy. That yeah, he doesn't come off as creepy for having Yeah, I was, I was, that was going to be my point. Yeah. Was that it, it's not patronizing. Right. He, he, just, he was like, I didn't want your house to smell, and I wanted you to have electricity when you got home. Yeah, he doesn't call her sweetheart. He doesn't talk down to her or, or make it about him being a man and her being but a woman. But he's also not using the information to manipulate her in any way. Yeah. So even yes. though he did pay her bills and uh, take care of things, it wasn't in a way to force her hand in any yeah. way. Yeah, he also didn't want those newspapers to pile up to make the neighbors... Uh, curious exactly and look at everyone else in her life while she's gone for three months besides losing her job no one else even cares. they didn't really care yeah. yeah you know and i mean it's like batman or oracle or anybody was taking care of the stuff <laughs> while she was gone. they were probably honestly just kind of relieved she was gone oracle yeah. could have easily taken care of her bills so could have batman yeah batman. but they didn't and so like i think it's contextual that other guy taking pictures with drones outside of their apartment that's weird and gross Maybe, anyway. but this guy he set her up in a place where she could become a better version of both helena and huntress she's also free to go at any time mm-hmm. and while she was doing this thing to like figure her shit out he was doing her a solid taking care of the stuff that she can't take care of right now and it's like jackie said it wasn't to manipulate her it's just you know so she comes home to electricity in a nice smelling apartment. Yeah, that seemed like a solid friend thing. Like if one of us got hit by a car and ended up in the hospital or in a coma for three months and somebody else was like, oh, I went to your house and I, I broke in so that I could pay your bills and do all this stuff. I'd be like, OK, cool. Yay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's definitely me. <laughs> I'm the one who's breaking into your home to pay your bills. That's why I gave you a key. Yeah. Yep. 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 And you all know to clear my browser. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's an interesting point about uh, information, though. I think it's yeah. contextual, as a lot of things are. Mm-hmm. In one light, it can be creepy and gross. But if you look at it in another light with different information, it's just one bro doing another bro a solid. I, I, I also thought he was kind of presumptuous by dropping her off at a cabin in the woods with a guy named the dragon. But I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I guess at that point, she really... Part. At that point, I guess she didn't really have a choice because mm-hmm. she was so alienated by both, you know, quote unquote families. So she yeah. didn't really have a choice and was glad that he was a, probably glad that he was around. Well, it was really the safest she'd felt in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you think about the fact that she wakes up in a stranger's house. No, that is, well, she great. took care of it. I mean, he was non-threatening, but she made it very clear she could take care of herself. And yeah, he made sure. Injured. And yeah, and they made sure to be non-threatening and to not be doing anything that was overtly menacing. And he's, she woke up while he's doing her a favor. So yeah. I think they made sure to make the place safe and welcoming for her. And they all, they both probably also knew she'd wake up swinging. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's true. 
and it ended up being a good thing for her. So kind of, I mean, you, you can, you, I think she recognized stuff about herself and was able to send herself, center herself to a degree there, but also in the end, she she heard them and yeah. said, "I have to do this thing." Yeah, yeah Hunter's gonna do what Hunter's gonna do. Yeah. I actually really like the the couple of panels where they're having dinner and just like talking about life stuff, and she's just on one side, head in hand, and just like not participating at all, and they're just having like innocuous conversation over her. I really liked that. They had some good background stuff with her. There was the one when it was her and Dragon doing Tai Chi, and it was yes. like a two page. Red, and you watch her in the background and the, in the top half yeah. she's just kind of like doing her thing on the bottom half she's slowly you can see her like giving up a little yeah it was just such a good progression of the art like mm-hmm. i thought that was really well done that may have been one of the best parts of the book yeah 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 how did you guys feel about the art i thought it went well i thought it went well with the writing that whoever put those two together they they did their job i think my favorite thing about the art was the moment where they called out both greg land and that pocket guy what's that pocket guy I don't know. The guy with oh, no, no feet. Oh, oh Lee Field. And no feet. Lee Field and Rob Land with yeah. that cover of the newspaper where she just has humongous weird <laughs> boobs and like all the muscles and there's just straps and pockets everywhere and her mouth is wide open <laughs> like he traced something from porn again and it was just this awful example of horrifying art from other people and I just, I liked that tiny little meta moment. It's like the newspaper cover, and I said, Huntress on the loose, and she had, like, weapons oh, out, and yeah. she was, like, shooting. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I was thinking, which reporter took that picture? Yeah. <laughs> it said artist rendering. Yeah, that. artist rendering, buddy. Another meta moment was when they were on the bus. Just the pacing and the beats of this six-part series, immaculate. <laughs> so I like when they were on the bus, and, you know, the dragon, he was telling her, like, you know, basically, it's kind of like Batman is like a father figure to you. Oh, that and, was the question, not yeah, the dragon. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, the question. And when that was his name was the dragon, by the way. That's his name. <laughs> That's Richard, his name. Richard Dragon. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the question's on the bus. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no problem. And I thought that um, it was meta because on Earth 2, Batman and Catwoman are the parents of the Huntress. That might be a leap. So I thought that was kind of cool. Pulling a Wayne over there. Yeah. It's very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think Batman has inspired a lot of the Bat family, obviously. But um, I like that he jumped through the window and said "Merry Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> I have a note for that. My note for that is drama kid Batman. <laughs> if you didn't love drama, he wouldn't dress up like a bat. Also, the moment and, when he's like, "Okay, Helena, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to trust you." But I'll be watching. <laughs> <laughs> he like swings out of her skylight. I'm like, can you just go have a candy bar, man? Like, well, and take then the, the outfit and then, off and go to a spot. And then there was the bat symbol on the ground, like he had just stood like he, there. For like a he minute. stood there like, and furled. <laughs> like, get out of here, man! I'm trying to eat with this hottie in my house. How did you guys like those flashback scenes? I loved them. Those I liked great. that the coloring changed to mm-hmm. clue you in. I liked. I don't know, I like the emotion of it, too. You really got that she was this terrified little girl, and she imprinted on the first person who kind of looked like her family and was nice to her. And I like that Cousin Sal was really great with eight-year-old girls who cry out every night for three years. And I remember when I first read it, I think I was like, oh, this guy's going to fuck her. Or, yeah, no, for not, a second, not, I was sorry, like, he's going to like not, mess her up. But mess he's going to yeah. screw her over. Or something horrible is going to happen. Yeah, and I like in the end, I mean, they were assassins. They weren't Yeah, but they, they were good family but men. They took, but because they took care of their family, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that for me is so much more interesting than people who are just capital E evil. Yeah. 
it's you can you can be a hired gun and you can kill people for money, but you can still be good to the kids in your employ. Yeah, you can also raise a girl whose family died mm-hmm. and yeah. make her feel loved and special and like she has a home. Yeah. It reminds me of a West Side Story at the very beginning where the Jets, they're walking through that playground and it's a girl doing some chalk outline and they don't say anything, but they walk around it. It's letting you know, like, dude, we're not just low down. We're not going to walk over a girl's chalk right. drawing. Yeah. We yeah. may be a gang, but we're not all dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I hope you guys I hope you guys have swearing on your podcast. <laughs> we don't, but we're loving this. <laughs> I, I grew up watching Margaret Cho, so this is not a big deal. <laughs> well, we, we thought when we first started out that we were going to keep this yeah. PG-13 no. rated, and we did not make it, it to the not. end of the first episode. No, it was not. It's, no. it's mostly me. Sorry, <laughs> we get we get heated. Yeah. We can't well, help it. I love it. Yeah. And want more of it. <laughs> I just want more of Tim Drake and Oracle solving crimes in one book. I can deal with like Tim Drake solving crimes. I don't need that mean girl. <laughs> hey. oh, she's not always awful. I mean, she's pretty awful, awful in what we're reading. And what we're reading, she's been pretty awful. Like you we're on. They're in Chuck Dixon. Oh. Yeah, it's like she gets, she gets a little better in Gale. The Moon's Run. Well, I think it's because I think she acknowledges that portion of herself more, right. mm-hmm. um, and doesn't necessarily change, but I think she wants to change, and that that goes a long way for me. So weird to me that a female character is better with other female characters <laughs> when written by a woman. What? That is what? a shock. That is no. a shock to me that men would write women as not being able to get along. I am shocked <laughs> and surprised. Look, Greg Rekka usually does a good job. No, he does. I feel like he was constrained by the ideas behind the characters as they were being written in their other novels. And he was probably told at one point that she can't be nice to Helena. Yeah. And he, like, tried to do his best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that Helena cannot talk to another woman throughout this whole book. <laughs> oh my God, real, not there were okay, so we we're doing our our minis after this, and we we're doing like a retouching on Bitch Planet, and I read that right before we came here, and I like got real salty about it. I was like, that stupid Helena book was just about a bunch of dudes telling her how to live her life, and there wasn't a state, and da da da, and I got really heated in the garden. I think it. her cousin slapped her, so that's nice. <laughs> that's true. She, did, she got her aunt. Oh no no um her aunt slapped her cousin for Helena. Oh that's Helena. right that's right that's right. All so right Helena it passes the Bechdel test. Fight between two women and yeah. then awkwardly go home. Yeah. <laughs> That's also great. Did they talk to each other though? I think she said hello to her aunt and her aunt said thank you for coming and then her cousin said something mean about her but not to her. Yeah. Yeah. And then she went cool I'm out. This has been fun. So it does. It, it passes the Bechdel test. It, it, it passes the Bechdel test. They were talking about a I'll give it an asterisk. <laughs> So in this uh, in this flashback, one thing that really stuck out to me was when she was remembering the funeral and she said that she thought her family was loved by everyone because they got so many flowers. But then they, they showed a card signed many happy returns. Oh, <laughs> Sincerely, the GCPD. That's so harsh. That's so, the Lannisters in their regards. Like that's, I know, the Gotham City detectives send a card like that to a nine year old girl. Like, like what, what are you doing? She was the only one that was left. Be <laughs> professional. Where was Jim Gordon? He wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote <laughs> oh. You take that back right now. Okay, I take it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. St. <laughs> Jim no, Gordon. St. Was- Gordon. Oh my God. St. Jim Gordon. You're right. Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, man. That was so rough. I, I I feel like we're supposed to say St. Barbara Gordon. I think we're not supposed to say all these foul things about her either. <laughs> we're 
we, we love her, but there is um some rough. She's rough. a problematic asterisk. Love her. We all have we all have problematic favorites. That's <laughs> true. true. Light Nightwing. <laughs> Look, she's the only female character in a wheelchair ever. <laughs> Give me the one thing. Okay, okay, we love her. We love her. I'm sorry, we love her. <laughs> Look, if they had more. That's true. <laughs> I have to say that um I really like the reveal at the end that we get to that's her father, her, her dead father is not her biological father. I was and reading that and she's like, why only me? And I'm like, mm, baby girl. <laughs> Maybe because you're not a Bertinelli. Like, I had that thought in book one, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Continue with it. I just wanted to say that I, <laughs> I like that her trying to figure out all this time why I was spared and then she finds out it was a mistake. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really interesting spin on it, yeah. on having because so many times we get the story of you're special, you're the chosen one, right, and there's and this a reason. Like, nope. We fucked up. I don't know how to give directions. <laughs> to yeah, I'm, if three out of four people killed and you know all of their names. Just like, say which one to leave alive. Leave the mother alive. Yeah, not the sister. Yeah, what are you on, doing? Leave sister. the adult woman alive. Yeah, exactly. The tall lady. <laughs> yeah. Don't kill that one. It's like the programming when it takes everything literally. They yeah. can't say her name, Jackie. She's not a person. She's just a lady. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, See, that's that bitch planet coming out. <laughs> no, that was so awkward, though, because he's like, I was wondering why he'd want her tortured and dead, too, because I was like, if she's your daughter, like, what's your problem? But no, it's because he wanted the, the woman. He wanted his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, it's so It so reminded me of Snape. Like, when we get those flashbacks uh, of Snape, yes. and how he's like, it's totally fine if you kill her husband and her child. But, just, like, leave her alive. And then bring her to me. And I will comfort her with my gross, icky body. <laughs> so, wait, so how does that work where if that plan would have happened and you basically genocide, you systematically got rid of a family bloodline, how, how do you, like, okay, we go to the family reunions and we're dating, like, wait a minute, weren't you... Married to the one guy. That- <laughs> I feel like he'd be more subtle. He'd be like, oh, I'm comforting the widow. It's fine. But like, I don't know. I don't know if I could. <sighs> would you still want to be with that dude? Well, I feel like, like she no. knows he did it. I feel like you would it have was to gonna, know. You'd have to know. No, no. Because he would, let's be real. I feel like you he, think would, he, actually, would, you know he would be smug as you know hell about if it. He, if he had shot the husband and the rest of the family and left her babies alive, yes. she would have been with him in a heartbeat. Right. But, but the he, fact that if. If, if he had actually killed the babies and everyone and left her alive as a mom, probably she would not want to. That's be what I'm that saying. Guy. Like there's he no wasn't way. thinking it through. Yeah, I, I feel think. like he thought that she would be grateful that he had rescued her, but well, she just he killed her children and she never would have forgiven. He's that. probably coming at it from like a toxic masculinity side of I don't want to raise another man's children. They're not mine. Therefore, they're like not worth anything to me or they're a threat to me in the future and this way I get her free and clear and we can make our own babies. Yeah, it's fine. I'll just give her new children. They'll just replace yeah, the old Yeah, and then way. she'll love me anyway. Like well, a because dog. she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have a choice. No. Because again, she's a lady. She's a lady. She's just going to love me anyway. Yeah. That's <laughs> just, all we do. Work just <laughs> love men and make babies. Woo. Salty. Sorry. Salty. Mark. Mark. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I was just thinking, I was just thinking that that whole storyline would have made for a really wild Back to the Future Part Four instead of under Enchantment Under the Sea dance. It's just a mafia hit at the family. <laughs> Mark, your brain is so interesting <laughs> and dark. I like it. Yeah, you, you met up with the right podcast here, buddy. One thing I did think that was really out of line, and I understand that the guy is a bad guy. So in comics, sometimes you have to kind of you know, up the ante before you kill off a character. But when he said, 
you know, because I hate you because your mistake, because the side of you disgust me. That's a little bit too harsh. Yeah. <laughs> like her poor face. Like, yeah. honestly, I was, I mean, I think, I think that builds her later. I think that comes back a lot in her character. Yeah. I mean, her own father hated her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and she was a mistake. Right. Well, so. also to find out later that one father hated you and felt like you were a mistake and were pissed you were alive because they wanted your mother. And then the other father turns out, you didn't know this, but he beat the living shit out of your mom and probably would have started on you soon. So then she doesn't have a dad figure. Well, then she can just she, go men are garbage. Yeah. Or she chooses Batman, which is wrong. Yeah. You just, you just fall into this series of picking terrible people to like model your life after. And then yeah. it's like, no wonder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's tough because, though, though I do have to say that I like that in this comic, it feels like other people are trying to make Batman her father figure. Mm-hmm. But I never, like out. I never really got that from Helena. It doesn't feel like there's any sort of Batman-related daddy issues going on no, there. No, it's just the same, like, they even say that, oh, he created you. And I'm like, ah. Did he, though? He helped her along the way more than I mean, more than anything, he was, like, a motivation, but he didn't create shit. She yeah. did that by herself. And he it wasn't helpful I, at all. To be fair, I don't really remember how she shows up in No Man's Land, but doesn't she just show up as herself? Yes. Well, she shows up as Batgirl. Yeah. Right. And that's I'm sorry, her. What? There's yeah, that's, that's actually, like, the thing. to give yeah. Oracle a little bit more credit, like, that's he doesn't just hate him, her, because of the it's Grayson also thing. It's also because she took the Batgirl mantle without asking, basically. Yeah. And how was she to know to Yeah, ask? because for all she knew, uh, one, I don't even know Oracle exists because she's so covert. So how would I tell exactly. her? And Batman well, yeah. left. As far as as far as the world know, knows, Batgirl died. Bare- so yeah. she could have been dead. That's true. That's true. Yeah, okay. that's fair. Well, well, Huntress, she created that new bat suit that we see for uh, Cassandra Kane, okay. and Batman just stole it from her. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> well, and I can see that from I can see from, from Barbara's perspective a little bit that she had this job that she loved, and because of this terrible thing that happened to her, she can she can no longer walk and she can no longer be Batgirl. And someone that she doesn't know came in and just took that title and went out and became Batgirl. As if just be, and so I get how that makes you feel really worthless and how that would really piss you off. But from Helena's perspective, how was she supposed to know? Yeah, that's true. That's the thing is if, if you look at it from Helena's perspective, I'm like all on the Helena side here. I'm like, <laughs> Me too. Again, and I need her to like take a breath. But also, she's written by a man, so well, and <laughs> I blame him. But it's not that far after you know her getting yeah shot and, and I mean, I, mean, I, I see it now, and it was basically taken from her twice. Yeah, I get it. It's just take a breath, and also Helena should have probably apologized. Well, she, but I think, I think she does. No, no, because Oracle's mad about it, but she never tells Helena what the problem right. is. Yeah. There She's are two. Like, you guys are not it. helping no. me here. There are two She's reasons a that character. There's two reasons that she's mad at Helena, and she doesn't tell her about either of them. Yeah. Yes. Helena has to find out about the Nightwing thing after she breaks into Oracle's apartment for reasons. For <laughs> reasons. And then she sees. She had this, to be there. Okay, God. And then she sees that picture of her kissing Nightwing, and she's like, "Oh shit." Oh, God. <laughs> Those are some of my favorite. Yeah. Well, anyway, they haven't read them yet, so we're. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. Yeah, I've read the Gail Simone run, but it was a long time ago. The Chuck okay. Dixon run is the one that's new to me. Have you guys gotten to the part where Black Canary saves Oracle from that, like... The Jesus pit? No, there's... No, no, no. no, no you mean the Lazarus pit. pit. What did I say? Jesus pit? <laughs> I've heard it both ways. <laughs> there's, like, a subway car full of water or something, oh, and then yeah. when she hauls oh, it out yes. of the water, it looks like they are straight up about to make out. <laughs> 
Oh, you. you oh, yeah. It's like issue uh, the hunt for Oracle. The hunt for Oracle. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. But it's it's pretty early on. I think it's around issue twenty, twenty two. Yeah, I think, I it's, I think that's twenty two. It's the Nightwing yeah. crossover. It crosses yeah, yeah, over yeah. Nightwing forty five and forty six. Yeah. That's the first time they meet face to face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I like that episode. And it, I think it was supposed to. God damn it, <laughs> issue. And I feel like it was supposed to be this great friendship moment yeah. but the way the artist drew it it was like the pieta for lesbians <laughs> i feel like it may have motivated two of our number <laughs> to our state as they are now uh, you know yeah, i blame comics yeah, i blame comics for the both of you too uh, uh-huh. mostly i blame jessica rabbit <laughs> oh my God, she's so hot though it's not her fault she's, she's that just found that way <laughs> Anyway, um, so I like it, I guess, in the very end, we're supposed to feel maybe as a reader bad that she made this choice. But on a no, nope, that is me. <laughs> but on a certain level, because, you know, Vic's leaving all disgusted never. But it's like, oh, okay. it's, it's one thing. I have some thoughts about this. No, it's like, Finish. let me. I, <laughs> I will crawl across this table. That's fair. Oh, it's no. so hot, you won't. <laughs> it's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that, like, it becomes this, she's informed by her mafia, she's informed by Batman, she's informed by Vic and Richard and all this sort of thing. And at the end of the day, she makes her own decision, kind yeah. of as, not necessarily a combination of all of those, but informed by all of those. And she's, mm-hmm. in, in that moment, she is Helena Bertinelli, yeah. Huntress, not yeah. any of those other things. And I, I thought it was authentic, and it worked for her. I actually really liked that moment. I liked that she took in information and she used it in a way that really felt natural for her as a character. You know, she got out from under the thumb of that guy by getting someone else to do the work she couldn't technically do. And she kept her secret. And she got away from both Batman and, sorry, Vic to do, like, to be Huntress the way that she thinks Huntress should be. And I love that moment. I'm big on vigilante justice. And she got it done in a way where the guy who needed to be dead is dead. She didn't kill him. So Batman can't be mad. <laughs> and that Tommaso guy straight up is going to do the time. Like, so, everything just neat as a bow. Like, why when, are you mad? The question. When you're saying she didn't kill him, I feel like you're one sixteenth thing of a point here. <laughs> did she actually kill him? No, she, she, did. she wasn't even in the room. She put him in a situation where he would die easy. Look, that guy would have found out eventually. <laughs> And you know what? Batman can't prove it was her that gave Tommaso that tip. I think he could. <laughs> no, she just went to say hi to the father of the bride. No, you know, she could have talked about anything, dogs or something. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just I have no problem with that because these are these are bad dudes. That guy deserved a death. And I feel like when you sign up to be part of the mob, you, you know what you you're you, doing. you you sign you start up your clock. Yeah, <laughs> you have agreed to the eventuality that one day you're gonna catch a bullet. And that's just how it is. So I don't really have too much empathy for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like that guy knew if Tommaso ever found out he was the one who killed the whole of the Bertinellis mm-hmm. and his sister, he was dead anyway. Yeah, I have no problem. I mean, as you know on our podcast. Yeah. We don't both, mind so much the we, killing. We uh we uh usually are complaining more if they don't kill. Yeah, that's the person. Mean, that's what yeah. Monica. Yeah. I mean, I have yeah. you know some soul related questions, but Look, man, you're not using it later. <laughs> Your soul? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All right, we're, 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 this is a philosophical debate. Yeah, that is hard. All right, Ashford and Mark, how do you feel about how this ended? Oh, I love all the references to The Godfather. I mean, I think that, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I would not have known about the whole, uh, you know, the day of my daughter's wedding, dot, 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 if it wasn't for The Godfather. And I think this played kind of perfectly into the story. My one question is, what do you think she exactly whispered in 
Tomaso, her uncle's ear. Like, do you do you think he knew it was part of the deal for him to go to jail, or was that just something she no, wanted to I, do no, to I wrap a bone? I think he's just doing the right thing. And also, I think he probably feels like he did right. He got his vengeance, and also he's probably in his seventies. What does he care? I think no. I think he knew that she wanted him to kill him, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he knew that there was going to be a surprise jail ending for him. No, I 100 percent don't. Oh, think so. yeah. I'm actually just 100% surprised he did it himself. I thought, because it's a request, so I don't, because part of me was like, oh. I don't think she said, I need you to kill him. I think she said, hey, remember how your sister was gunned down? That dude ordered it. I don't know, because it specifically was a request. But he also says, I will do this for us. Mm -hmm. I.e., it's his sister and her mother. So it's vengeance for us. Right. I I, I think she actually said, I need you to kill this guy, and this is why. Oh, okay. I I get that. But they, they... go back and forth they keep talking about how blood cries for blood mm-hmm. and how it, it may be in that in that sense it was important for him to do this thing mm-hmm. well because he's a man of valor mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i just love the fact that the huntress refuses to be nice to act within yeah like what you guys are saying as far as I'm not going to play within your rules. I don't recognize your law. Screw you, bats. <laughs> well, and, and how else could that have been solved? There's no other way for this to just be solved, solved yeah. just like she said. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Batman what? wasn't going to come in and fix everything. No, no Batman really. would say, we'll wait. We'll be patient. I will gather evidence and eventually we can send them to jail. And then we die of old age waiting for that to happen. And also, he's out. she's out doing hits for someone yeah. in the mob because mm-hmm. he owns her. Yeah, no, I liked, I like, I like that sort of manipulative ending mm-hmm. where you can kind of tie the bow on it yeah. um, and get all your ducks in a row without effort. With all you did is set it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just, you just ask for one thing. Yeah. Put them in a room together. I didn't tell them to shoot yeah. each other necessarily. <laughs> just because there was a gun I mean, in there, I, I didn't do that. I do think she requested him to die. Oh, I yeah. actually yeah. Agree. Uh, now that, yeah. the way that you yeah. s- described that, I just thought she gave him a piece of information. But yeah. I think you're right, and that he went. I need. She went. I need you to kill this dude. This is why I know it's true. And so, yeah, it makes more sense with the dialogue. Yeah. Um, I I won't be able to sleep at night until I know this guy is dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All in all. Does anyone know? So she throws out her costume into the bay there. So does she get a new costume after this or? I think she does. Is Is it the belly window? Is the belly window next? Well, because this, I think it come, this one came out in 2000, yes. and so I think it's a it's a few years before I think she starts becoming a regular on Birds of Prey. So I assume she pops up in between. She probably pops up somewhere. But I, I, I don't. But know the for one sure. in the Birds of Prey, I don't. Is that the first yeah. instance of the belly window? Maybe I'm not sure, but okay. I know it's when it's most popular. Mm-hmm. All I know is that she has that great joke. Yeah. Yes. Five hundred sit-ups a day. Yeah. Is the, is the belly oh, window? Uh, does that first appear in Hush? Oh yeah, I think oh, you're right. I think you might be right. right. Yeah. Ooh. What Definitely, if- I agree and have knowledge <laughs> about that. <laughs> if you were going to read a Batman comic, that's the Batman comic. I actually have that on my shelf of things to read. I just. It's mine. It's it my is comic. yours. I also it's have yours. your novelization by Greg Rucka of No Man's Land. It's that's so, so good. good. Oh, Jesus. I actually got my copy signed by Greg Rucka. Look. And yeah, he, who got your copy uh, That would be you. Uh, he defaced it for me, and he scratched out uh, Bob Kane's name and circled Bill Finger on that. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah, if he ever swings through Texas, you guys should try to go out and meet him. He's real friendly, and he'll chit-chat with you for a little while during the signing. I didn't talk to him because I don't handle famous people well. Beatrice <laughs> had to do it. That's something we'll definitely do. And what do you think about this uh Casablanca ending where the question just kind of walks off a little what bit. What a tool. Well, 
I feel like he's he's a little he's just disappointed in her. Yeah. Okay. That he wanted her to do it his way, mm-hmm. and she's like, "No, I'm I'm my own woman. I'm gonna pull my own rope. Do it the Bertinelli way, mm-hmm. where everybody dies. <laughs> Look, it's just as successful. <laughs> when does Fifty Two start? How far after this? Yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, yeah. something like that. I feel like it's closer to that because um, it's still I, a while. I think I still yeah, watch it still a while because this is about two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. So at least seven or eight years yeah. until Fifty Two. So are they together later, or is this the only instance um, of them? You know, the, ne- the last, the next thing I really remember specifically of Question and Huntress is actually the Renee Montoya uh, question. Of the, it's the pipeline storyline. Oh, oh yeah. Montoya. And it's after it's after he's passed, and they ha- they just have a brief conversation about it. And I think it's kind of mildly implied to Renee that, that yes, that they had a relationship. I really thought this story was going to go a different way, and they were going to have also boned, and I was going <laughs> to be mad you didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> There's some light flirtation, but you know they had work to do. Who wouldn't flirt with Renee? I mean, it's impossible not to. She's great. <laughs> so I think, I mean, I think it's a great comic. I think any, everyone should read it. It's mm-hmm. also a great introduction to Huntress because I yeah. know there's been a different, couple different iterations of her. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this is the most pure. Yeah, when yeah. I was looking for this version, I was seeing people comparing it to Huntress Year One, mm-hmm. which I don't remember what happens in that one. It's been too long. But it's just a vaguely different yeah. version of her backstory. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that I liked this one because I liked this story better. Greg Rucka forever. Yeah. Correct. And I mean, it's recently, it's pretty early Rucka. And I think you see a lot of seeds that you you see kind of pay off a lot later in terms of his writing, uh, especially of female characters. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of your basic mob child yeah. story, you know. But, you know, it was almost 20 years ago mm-hmm. now. And so, you know, you can see... I don't know. You can see the the seeds of him becoming. Also, the idea that it ends with her doing it her own way, mm-hmm. where any other writer could have ended up, you know, in order to get into the Bat family, she does the Batman's way, or in order to stay dating Vic, she does it Vic's yeah. way. But because yeah. it was Rucka, she did it the Huntress way, yes. and that, and he then kicks off her being her own person mm-hmm. identity. Yeah, and. I feel like you're you're right, and I think that's what makes the ending so satisfying mm-hmm. is that it. She didn't have to learn a lesson. Yeah, right. you know she have to squeeze herself into somebody else's box that she just she maintained her own course and and we see that over and over again mm-hmm. in her in her interaction with with Dinah mm-hmm. with with Oracle how everybody keeps trying to get her to go down a certain path and even if it might be the better path she's, she's just like no <laughs> I'm gonna do it my own way and I don't care because yeah. that's how I want to do it and she didn't get punished right yeah there are no consequences yeah which is I think that's a big reason we like Greg Rucka is most of his female characters do this kind of thing where they fight to be themselves and they eventually are. And that's what we like about them. Greg, <laughs> Greg Rucka. Cry yes, for he's blood. The man. <laughs> Five stars all around. Yeah. So I, thank you guys so much for uh, sitting down and talking with us. Yeah. It was our this pleasure. Fun. I know it was yeah. a lot of fun. This crossover, we're doing uh, internet high fives over here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys have any final thoughts before we uh, count it on down? Yeah. I just want to say uh, DC Comics, you're dropping the ball. This Huntress <laughs> character is awesome. Yeah. I believe this book proved it. I think if someone were to read this, they would want to explore the character. And come on, guys. I want to see – I don't need to see a Huntress movie or a Huntress television show. If you did that, that's great. But as far as in the comics, I think this character needs to be highlighted more because – She's hand to hand combat. I like that. You know, she doesn't mm-hmm. have to fly around. She doesn't take any messages, take no mess. 
You know, I like in the, <laughs> I like in the Justice League cartoon where um, she threw that membership card at Martian Manhunter and told him to choke on it, yes. and he took it. Anyone yeah, else, yeah. he wouldn't have taken. Like even Batman, she'll talk crazy to Batman. He'll take it. Other people would probably yeah. like break their wrists or something. So I like. I love her. There's something always great about anybody who will just step to Batman and not yeah. flinch. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Amanda Waller so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Well, I mean, Amanda Waller steps to everyone yeah. and takes no shit from no one. Correct. She's amazing. But anyway, we need we need Helena Bertinelli back. Mm-hmm. Noah. Does she have a solo book at all? Well, no. she's, she doesn't exist right now. But like, she doesn't uh, exist. She's... Helena Wayne exists in the current oh, continuity. Is that, is that right? Is, is she in the new? No, uh, no, Helena Bertinelli is back in the Birds of Prey. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was in the, the Grayson book. Oh, wait, so Helen is in Batgirl now? No, it's, it's personality again. Oh, is it? But yeah, when they did the Earth so- 2, Helena Wayne was yeah. in the Earth 2. Okay, so in the new Batgirl, she exists again? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they did a new fresh relaunch. I haven't... Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta I check in. Comics. I haven't read Batgirl since Cameron Stewart took over. Yeah, it's been a few years. This is specifically Batgirl and the Birds of Prey by the Benson sisters. I think starting with... Starting with issue one, they do the whole Bertinelli uh, mob family story. There's a little bit of variation on it, but this mm. character is in that incarnation. And in the oh, New Fifty Two, Gra- yeah, and in the New Fifty Two, Grayson, Dick Grayson, he was a spy in this organization called Spiral, and that's when he met Helena Bertinelli. Oh, see, we need to we need to do some catch up. See, we haven't. See, episode. I haven't read, I haven't read Birds of Prey since New Fifty Two. Yeah, so. Huffed out of that one angrily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all rage quit. That I, I, I stuck it out the longest. <laughs> yeah, you did. I like that yeah. rage quit. I like that quote. I'm yeah. taking yeah. it. <laughs> Trademark, not us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that wraps it up from our end as well. And again, thank you guys so much. And I'm sure that we might call on you guys again. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah this is awesome. Else. Yeah. Yes. And um, remember, we have snacks. <laughs> yeah, we always have snacks. <laughs> want to email us please do oh at shit interrupted oh, yeah. at gmail.com <laughs> on twitter we're at get interrupted and the boys why don't you say what uh your stuff is yeah how yes. do we find you on the internet? yeah this is how you can do it if if you just go to write on network.com that's w-r-i-g-h-t on network.com if you want to find the episodes specifically for our birds of prey podcast you can go to feathers and foes.com or you can email us at feathersandfoes at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at feathersandfoes. And we have a Facebook page. It'd be cool if you like it. And you can find us on iTunes. Write a review. Negative, positive, or neutral. Feathers and foes. We like mm-hmm. likes. We, should, and we iTunes. should like each other. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. Should we be Facebook official friends? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. We're high-fiving. We're, we're, we're <laughs> high-fiving through the Internet. Market. We're jumping up in there and freezing. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, it was lovely having you guys. Thanks so much. Um, yeah. Until next time. Until yeah. next time. Snacks. Cheers. Snacks. Snacks. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>